This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Albion Analysis, me Chris Hall and him Pete George. Welcome to an impromptu episode, but as you know, it's that time of year. It's the time of year where things change, they happen very, very quickly and everybody has to react. There's sporting and technical directors have to react, managers have to react and Tell their board that they're not gonna, they're not gonna, they're not gonna sell their first choice goalkeeper a week before the season. Um, it, w- those of us who do podcasts have to react. Journalists have to react. And when the Albion sign a player, Pete and I have to react. And we have signed a player. We not only have we signed a player, we've actually signed a player permanently on a three-year contract who's twenty-four and is going to wear our number nine shirt. Pete, what is going on? I know it's hard to believe it, isn't it? Especially on a, a permanent contract. I thought every deal we we're going to do this window was going to be in through loans. But, um, I mean, just on the face of it, it looks like we've got a, a very promising player. He's the right age. Um, he's scored goals in the past and um, signed him on a three-year deal. So it's all positives at the minute. And th- th- this is it. Josh Madger in from Bordeaux um, after after a reasonably successful season as well. Um, 16 goals last season, six assists. Okay, League league 2, for those of you who are fluent in GCSE French, as I am, you know, I can just about order a beer and ask where the boulangerie is. So, uh, you know, if, if, if I'm, I'm, I'm about your, your Del Boy levels of, uh, of, of French, Monge 2, Monge 2. Um, so, but, but moving on swiftly from my complete lack of uh, linguistic skills, both in English and alternative languages. I mean, Pete, a couple, a couple of questions on this. On the face of it, it looks, uh, it looks like he's had a, had a, had a really, positive season last season 
for for Bordeaux. And I, I know there are people, there was people turning their nose up at this deal quite early on. I don't really understand why people are saying, "Oh, look at his data. He hasn't. He didn't score goals on loan at Fulham. He didn't score goals on loan at Stoke. Well, he did. He did score three goals at Fulham, and that was in the Premier League. So, first of all, that's not to be sniffed at. He, um, he he's had a yeah, okay. He he had a bad he had a bad loan at um at at Stoke, but then. What what striker doesn't have a bad time at uh, at Stoke? To be fair, because every everybody does. Um, I mean, it seemed it. it the, I I saw an absolutely amazing uh, amazing stat the other day, which is the last um, Stoke player to uh, score um, uh, to score over fifteen goals in a season was Peter Thorne. I mean, to be honest, Pete, I, I, I would I would go as far as to suggest that you might even be too young to remember Peter Thorne. So it has been uh, 21 years since a Stoke player, in fact, 22 years um, since Peter Thorne scored 15 goals for Stoke back in 2001. So Stoke is the place where centre-forward reputations go to die. Other than that, I mean... He had a good start at, uh, at Sunderland when he was very, very, very young. Then he went to Bordeaux. Okay, it hasn't gone completely brilliantly for him since then. He did okay at Fulham in the Premier League, and a couple of years ago he was he, he was at Stoke. Twenty, and also it's worth remembering he, these are very formative years for Josh Madger because he starts off as a young prodigy, and people will remember him from uh, from the Sunderland Till I Die documentary bursting onto the scene and being their main striker for half the season in, in League One. But he was very, very young then. And I think because he's been around a little while, people think he's older than he is. He's only 24. He's not 25 till December. So when we talk about the poor seasons Josh Mazur has had, he's generally had poor seasons aged 22 and 21. So, I mean, first, but the, my first question to you is, how much credence can we give 16 goals in in league de because i really don't know what the level of the french second division is at. i've seen some people on twitter try and compare it to league one in this country but then i with with the due respect to those people and i mean this really with the due respect because i watch no league de football i would imagine they've watched next to no league de football before coming to that conclusion so what is the level there and how much um, how much positivity should we be reading into 16 goals and six assists for Bordeaux last year? Like the analysts have rankings of individual teams um, and how they rank against each other. Obviously, it's not, it's definitely not um, set in stone or, or perfect, but I suppose it's a good way of, of comparing. And if you look at Bordeaux, they've got a global rank of 302 and if you compare that to West Bromwich Albion, they have a global rank of 185. So according to Optra Analyst, which is obviously just one way of looking at it, they are are ranked lower. Um just out of interest, Pete, if you took um if you took a a, a lesser championship side, shall we say, um, hypothetically speaking, Huddersfield Town, a, a team that just um that, that just stayed up, what what would their what would their global rank be? I'm just wondering in terms of the lowest one of the lowest ranked championship teams, what 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 they would be in comparison to to Bordeaux? Well, there's actually a, 
a feature on it that you can list the whole of the championship and the whole of League 2 teams. Um, and, I mean, Huddersfield's it's only two below Albion. Um, the lowest championship team that they've got listed is QPR. And they are global rank of 471. So much oh, wow. lower than Bordeaux. Bordeaux sit. I think there's um, one, two. There's three of the French leader teams sitting above the lowest championship team. Yeah, so basically, basically, if if you were to work on that basis, this is this is a this is a bit like Albion taking a striker from Rotherham, someone like that. Yeah, yeah, like the top of uh, League One, bottom of a Championship kind of area. I think so. Yeah, which to be fair, if we if if we were taking one uh, one of the best strikers from either a bottom end Championship club or a top end. League One club, you probably. I mean, we we talked about, for example, Niall Ennis at the end of last season, who's ended up going to Blackburn. Um, we 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 talked about Ogbené from uh, from from Rotherham. So taking a player from a, a, what the equivalent of a bottom end uh, championship or top end League One club is probably not really to be sniffed at, is it? No, and um, both Rotherham and Plymouth are, are ranked below Bordeaux in these rankings. And I mean, interestingly enough, in this table that I've got now of League 2 Championship and League 1. Bordeaux are 19th out of all those and 20th is, is Cardiff which is obviously where the other striker that we've been linked to this this window is playing. Absolutely. Let's not let, let's not get ahead of ourselves, though, Pete. We will come on to the mighty Sorry Cabba, um, and, and whether he will be uh, soaring in an Albion shirt anytime soon. But before we do, let's talk about Josh Madger and what sort of striker we have we, we've signed here. Because I've had a look at his what numbers there are for him on 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 FB Ref. I know you've got availability of, of much better data than than I, so I'll throw to you in a second. And you're very kind enough to, uh, to to actually send me a bit of a summary last night um so that I wasn't horribly unprepared for this podcast when when we were pretty sure he was he was signing for the club I, I mean the things I picked out Pete were that whilst he's five foot eleven he seems poor in the air but what and and whilst he has actually scored quite a few goals it seems like he underscores his xg most seasons his finishing percentage isn't great but where he seems to be really really strong is his link up play seems excellent he seems to be able to beat players um he 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 plays good passes into the penalty area i mean just purely if you if you sort of build him on the data he looks like brandon thomas asante doesn't he yeah some I mean, there's some very promising things in data. I think, obviously, the the big two are that he gets shots off in quite good areas. He's got quite a high non-penalty expected goals of about 0.35. Um, so you can kind of expect him to score once every three games, um, which isn't a bad rate and is, is definitely above the average. Um, they're high-quality shots as well, so it's not like he's just shooting from range. Um, as you say, he's, he's not the best in the air, but it doesn't... He didn't have many aerial duels um, last season, and it's it's not easy to tell without actually looking at the the video whether that's kind of his style or or just what Bordeaux's playing style was. Um, but he does look quite useful in in supporting his teammates as well and creating chances. Um, like his expected assists per hundred passes is much higher than than the average. Um, 
you know, as you said, passes into the penalty area is high. So it looks like he's going to be somebody that is going to get his own chances, but is also going to be able to help bring his other attacking teammates into play, um, which you'd hope would only benefit people like John Swift and well, Sarmiento as well, who 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 seems to who seems to like to get into those areas, and and maybe maybe Jed Wallace, mate, if he can if he can start sorting out his 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 finishing, which was a little bit off last season, like uh, uh, there could be could be it could really help him have a have a good season in front of goal. Yeah, I mean, when the ball's out on the left, Jed Wallace quite often drifts quite narrow um, and gets into the box, and it does make himself a goal threat. So. I think it, it will help him and, and Sarmiento as well, hopefully. Um, but it's not just his creativity. He seems to link up quite well as well. So hopefully it's not just bringing players into the into play and, and around the box, but also kind of helping Albion um, move up the field um, through him kind of being a target, maybe not aerially, but just into his feet and then, and then support, just laying it off to teammates. Um, so, yeah, I think it... He looks like he could be quite a good fit for Albion. Um, I mean, Corbrand's seemed very keen to to get him in, and I mean, we've seen him with players last season that he he definitely helped develop a few. So hopefully, um, he can push Josh Madron. Are you at all worried about that loan at Stoke? I mean, it didn't it didn't go great. Although I did have a I did have a conversation with uh, with with a Stoke fan earlier today who actually had some positive things to say about him. Said he thought he thought there was potential there. And as I say, the guy's only twenty four now, which means he was twenty two when he went on on loan to um, to Stoke City. So. And and he didn't. Not only did he not get that much consistent football, I think it was uh, I think it was nine or ten starts during his his loan at Stoke, which isn't which isn't great over the course of um, of a season, or might have been half a season that he was actually there. He might have joined in the January, but uh, but also there the didn't seem at Stoke at that time any real consistency of a pairing, um, and he he seemed to be getting when he was playing playing with different uh, different players is it just because uh, I, I think i think people are looking at that loan at stoke and worrying about him i also don't understand why people are highlighting his period at um at fulham and even crazier some people trying to highlight his 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 numbers at sunderland in the championship he was 18 then so let, let's not and, and unless unless you're gonna uh, gonna judge, for example, uh, I don't know Mo Farr the same today as you are in uh, as you are in five years' time. Then let's you know let's put the, his Sunderland numbers in the Championship to one side because they're irrelevant. But I mean that that period at Stoke obviously didn't go particularly well. But I have to say I'm not overly worried about it, not least because. It's Stoke, and then I don't mean I don't mean this just as an Albion dig at Stoke. And I know we have a little bit of a sort of like rivalry, especially as somebody who had to grow up in in the Staffordshire area around quite a few Stoke fans. Um, but it, it is a place where strikers do not generally have the best of times. As I say, twenty one years since somebody scored over fifteen goals in a season for them—that is a long, long time. And it it. it I, uh, the Fulham thing, I actually thought he showed up quite well at Fulham in the, in the Premier League. Scored two very good goals in a win against against Everton. 
I think there's enough to like here to be really positive about the fact that we've signed a guy at 24 on a three-year deal and you would like to think uh, on a free as well and that's worth mentioning I would like to think that we are going to be able to increase his value and as well see the best of him over the next few years what do you think yeah I think with with his spell at Stoke he was um it was kind of okay. It's, I mean, his numbers kind of showed up very similarly. Um, I got his strengths as his link-up plays, creativity, um, which again is what we're seeing in the numbers from his time in Bordeaux last season. Um, I mean, the issue there seems to be that he just he didn't get many shots off. He averaged one point one shots per ninety when he was at Stoke. I mean, he was still taking pretty high his shots in pretty high-value areas. He had a um, xG per shot of zero point one six, which is um, it was in about the 75th percentile. But the issue was that he just wasn't taking enough of those shots. So his total late sheep in 90 was only at 0.18. Um, so I think the only issue there was he kind of probably wasn't finding enough space to, to get the shots off, doing it regularly enough, which if he can at Albion, we can create plenty of chances, then you know he tends to be in the right area. Which is shown in his high XG per shot. So if we can create well, that was that was noticeable actually because somebody somebody put a YouTube um, clip of of his of his sixteen goals of each of his sixteen. There actually was quite a few penalties in there, but um, all of his goals for Bordeaux last season. And the thing that I noticed was how many of them were either goals at the back post, goals uh, that poked in inside the six-yard box. And I couldn't help thinking, because uh, 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 there was there was a comment on there, and I understand why, that said, you know, the, the, these seem, there seems to be a lot of tap-ins here. And I thought, yeah, but that's what we were missing last season, wasn't it? Uh, so a, a real six-yard box striker, especially when DK was out injured. We didn't seem we didn't seem to have anybody who could who could mop up those kind of chances. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't think I'd ever complain about strikers scoring a lot of tap-ins. Um, that's the skill in itself is to find the space to just tap it in because obviously they're going to be the easiest finishers. Yeah, actually having the ability to to be at the right place at the right time is. It's probably one of the most valuable skills you can have as a striker. Um, yeah, if he if he just scores tappings for us, then I'll be pretty happy. Let people like Sarmiento score from range or or what have you. But um, I've just been looking at the his numbers at Fulham in the Premier League, and his actual xG per ninety was was very high, um, non penalty as well. So it's that was not point three eight, which was in the seventy fifth percentile, and again very really high. I um XG per shot of 0.24, which was almost in the it was in the like 98th percentile. So I think he maybe just didn't play enough to really get a lot of goals at Fulham. Um, he had 863 minutes, so 9.690s. Um, I think if he played more, then he was, perhaps would have looked better. The issue with his time at Fulham is just in the rest of the numbers, he doesn't show up particularly well but it looks like he's got the kind of um natural ability to to be in the right place at the right time to get to get chances even in the premier league he was he was racking up a high um xg per 90 so hopefully again we can see that albion and we tend to create quite a lot of chances for the strikers it's just um we've had issues of actually putting them more putting them away in the past so fingers crossed it could be a, a good match and that doesn't necessarily seem like it, it will 
definitely be the end of the uh, end of the business. Um, we've obviously been heavily linked with uh, Sorry Cabba, who was uh, on loan at um, Cardiff last season from uh, Midland. Uh, I've probably butchered that pronunciation. My my humblest apologies to any Danes that are out there listening that have just completely winced at my appalling pronunciation of the uh, of their Scandinavian name. But uh, that that's that's how I'm going to pronounce it for the time being, anyway. Um, and um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I am told by a number of different people, not uh, not least Twitter um, or X, as it is now known. Thank you very much, Elon Musk. That we we, uh, we are we are still hopeful of getting that deal done. Now that remains to be seen. To push through two strikers in such a short period of time, I think, would be incredibly, incredibly good business from from Albion. I would imagine Kappa would be another loan, but he looks really, really good, doesn't he, Pete? I mean, he's six foot three. I, I, I mean, I recall him from our game at Cardiff last season where he caused us all sorts of problems. And then I dipped into the data and I just loved what I saw. I mean, first of all, you look at it on on the face of it and eight in 17 games looks really, really good uh, just straight off the bat because it's it's basically a goal every other every other game. But then you then you actually break that down by the minutes played and how and how many nineties that totals up at. That's eight goals in twelve point seven nineties. That's an unbelievable strike rate. And throw throw one assist into there as well. Nine goal contributions in twelve point seven nineties. That is that's truly frightening. And it doesn't appear to be a flash in the pan either when he was at uh, Leuven in the in the Belgian first division he scored 10 in 19.7 um 90s this guy gets goals i mean he got he got 11 in um in 21.4 90s the season before for Midland. and then he you dip you dip into what he's good at and i mean he's such an aerial threat isn't he but he beats players as well and I'm just really impressed with what I'm seeing, Pete. He, he looks like if we would if we were to get him, that he would get goals. He would be a frightening physical type striker. And I mean, I think Jed Wallace would just have an absolute field day putting the ball onto this guy's head. What do you reckon? Yeah, in those kind of aspects, he looks a bit like an Andy Carroll that can still score goals. Um... But yeah, so whilst you've got that. You've you've got the fact that he he bags goals, Pete, and and he's got the Andy Carroll level of aerial ability. He looks way more mobile because his his successful take ons are really good. Yeah, um, I think it, yeah, his biggest strength is definitely his, his goal scoring ability and his aerial ability, um, but potentially a bit more mobile as well. Um, if you look at his xG, it's zero point four per ninety in the championship last season, which is obviously probably a bit more easy to compare than to Leeds. Um, but 0.4 is very high. Now that's a goal every one and a half games. Nope, two and a half games. He, he gets plenty of shots off, and similar to to Madger, they're quite good areas. Excellent in the air, and it's very active in the air as well. So he uses it. He doesn't just um, kind of hide from the ball if it's in the air. He, he will definitely get involved, and he's very successful in it. Um, so, like you say, imagine that would work really well. Jed Wallace out on the right. Um, with the amount of crosses that he puts into the box, 
having a striker that can, can really attack it. Um, it's going to be very promising. And he's he's always scored scored goals in his time and, and looked like a goal threat. Um, so again, it's if we could bring him in as well, I think it'd be a really exciting signing. Um, I mean, the only issue for me there is that maybe you start to look and think, do we really need that many strikers when DK is back fit? Um, especially if we're going to play in the same style that we did last season with only one striker up front. Yeah, possibly, and uh, unless of course he's he's thinking he might utilize Brandon as as a wide option as well, especially if which which we're coming coming to in a moment, Grady goes. Yeah, I suppose it's a possibility. Um, and obviously, with uh, Thomas Sante, if he was playing that wide, then you'd expect him to maybe be a bit more of a, a goal threat than any of the other wingers that we've seen play for us. Um, can't really comment on Samiento yet. From what we've heard, he's he's very exciting. So it's it's a different option, really, isn't it? Especially with Grant gone out alone. Well, it gives him think... the option to go to a two as well, Pete. Which which is interesting with Madger because you look at you look at where he does like to uh, to drop off a little bit and and play off someone. So it it and and Cabba just seems like an out and out proper old school goal scoring nine. That they they look like they might complement each other quite well. Yeah, and it's, it's maybe even as um kind of back up to John Swift as well because you could potentially play two up front, but maybe drop the number ten and have, like you say, have Magic maybe dropping a little bit deeper, getting on the ball, linking up, playing, trying to create chances as well. Whereas Cabba's just a bit more; he's going to occupy the, the centre backs, um, make himself a nuisance, and get some try and get space in the box and score goals from there. So. It could be a case of, of Swift maybe. I mean, we know Swift can even move out wide or, or potentially even drop a bit deeper, but it is somewhere that we did probably need a bit more backup to. So I suppose it just opens up opens up different options into how you want to set up for each game. And last point on Cabo. We've we've talked about how we've had problems from uh, from set pieces over the course of pre-season. <laughs> His blocks and clearance data, which I imagine must mostly come from uh, from set pieces, because I can't imagine why he'd be doing blocks and clearances otherwise, unless it was a set play. His blocks and clearance data is really good. Well, yeah, um, you know when we had Andy Carroll, he was always back defending corners and was quite often the one to hit it away. So if you've got somebody that's much of an aerial presence as Cabaret is then expect him to to get back for any set pieces and certainly help you out if the ball's in the air and there it is that's as good as it gets on this stage Nissan Townstar EV strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five year warranty and with a bench full of all star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all star quality search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all star van centre to see for yourself Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home, especially with Albion's home record under Carlos Corbran. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. 
At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. How nice it is to be able to talk about incomings or prospective incomings. But what I, the reason that we're probably able to talk about incomings and prospective incomings, uh, Pete, is that there seems to be some outgoings. And probably the, the highest profile and probably highest value potential outgoing, which certainly seems to be gathering pace. And I have to, we've talked about it most of the summer, but I think uh, now that he seems to be back somewhere close to fitness, it's becoming imminent is Grady Diangana. I think we've kind of got to the no smoke without fire sort of position with, with Grady Diangana, where he is just being heavily linked all over the place. As we record on uh, Tuesday evening, uh, Lewis Cox has just dropped an article uh, linking him to Leicester, Leeds, uh, Everton, I believe, and uh, and and also Saudi Arabia. Although, as you as you pointed out to me off air, if Grady got a little bit homesick moving from London to um, uh, London to the Midlands, I'm not sure how he'd cope going to the Middle East. But that's a that's a whole other thing. But um, I mean, I, I think I think at this point, I think we'd be very, very, very surprised if Grady didn't go out, and if and and the and the fact that we're doing business, we're bringing in a player on permanent, that we're trying to do another centre forward, as leads you to believe that somebody of some reasonable value is imminently going out the door. Because I honestly don't think we'd be doing these deals if we weren't making some money somewhere else. I mean, first of all, it's interesting where Grady is potentially going. Leicester and Leeds linked heavily and the Leicester press saying that um, Leicester are bidding somewhere around four to five million. Lewis Cox is saying that we want closer to seven. But there is interest from the Premier League. Burnley are supposed to be very interested. And there's a little bit of a domino effect going on at, uh, at Everton because reports that Fulham uh, want Damari Gray from Everton and uh, Sean Dyche, the the word is, will only let Damari Gray go once he's replaced him. Now, I think initially Everton's interest was in uh, Wilfred Nonto from Leeds, but I think Leeds have slapped a pretty hefty price tag on Nonto and... I would I would imagine that that's probably shifted Everton's eye to a more um, cheaper, shall we say, target, but probably pro- probably st- trying to find more value in the market as well, and and potentially to to Grady Diangana. All of this is great news for Albion because if there are, I mean, we're talking potentially five suitors here. Burnley, Everton, Leicester, Leeds, and the Saudi League. That's great for Albion because it could drive the price up and get it close to the seven million that 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 Lewis Cox says we are looking for. It's also a good amount of money off the wage bill. Grady gets a fresh start where it hasn't completely worked out for him here. Maybe he gets a big money move to Saudi Arabia. Maybe he goes to back to the Premier League. Maybe he goes to a club in Leicester and Leeds, which, let's be honest, the bookmakers have them as much heavier favourites to go up than us, and probably with very good reason. Always up, Pete. It just... 
it looks like a good deal for for everybody and it looks like it's given us a little bit of um ability to maneuver in the market yeah i mean it definitely seems like it's given us a bit of bit of cash to, to spend and bring in some other players that core run seems to be very interested in um i mean i personally think seven million's quite cheap for grady dan garner i know he's not he's not maybe been as good as when we first brought him in but i think he's I, I do well i still think he's a bit underrated to be honest um i would hope that we could get a bit more for him but problem is always our negotiating standpoint or lack of one though isn't it pete yeah and i suppose that's where we've got to hope that if there's plenty of interest in him then maybe that can drive the price up um because i do think he's he's a very good player well i think we'll miss him but i mean Coburn has never seemed too keen on him um he obviously preferred matt phillips when when both were fit um and kind of used grady when Matt Phillips wasn't available, but I think he'll do a very good job for the team in the championship, and and I think he'll be quite good in the Premier League if if given another chance. Um, so I can see why teams are linked uh, linked with him, and I can see why we're moving him on because he's probably one of our. You think most... he'd be good in the Saudi league, crossing it in for Cristiano Ronaldo as well, Pete, <laughs> or oh, or yeah, Karim Benzema, yeah. or <laughs> or Roberto Firmino, think... or what, or maybe Sadio Mane. <laughs> Yeah, he might get a few more assists than he did when he was uh, crossing the ball into Andy Carroll. But yeah, I mean, from the clubs that are linked, it looks like it'll be a good deal for for Grady. Whatever happens, whether it's you know the the big contract going to the Saudi league or um, a move to the Premier League, which is, I mean, obviously every player is probably looking for that for a move up the leagues. Um, so yeah, I suppose it is one that kind of benefits all parties. For me, it is a little bit cheap at that price, but we need the money. And Corbran obviously doesn't isn't is doesn't seem to favour him above the other wingers that we've got. So um, it makes sense if we can can bring in the cash and bring in some players that he is going to want to use regularly. Well, and that's and you've touched on it there, Pete. And that's a point I wanted to talk about. We seem to have managed to get ourselves to a position now where the play or Corbran seems to have got himself to a position now where the players that we are moving out are the ones that Corbran would rather we moved out. Obviously we had the, um, as I entitled the pod, the Palmer drama um, over the weekend. Now, Obviously, there's many versions of what of of what transpired over uh, over uh, over that. I think what appears to have been briefed out from the from the club is that um, is that it was just as simple as there was an offer. They took their time. They decided to reject it. I'm sorry, I don't really buy that. I I I think I think the club when they asked Corbrand to pull Palmer out of the side, I honestly believe they they, they were planning to accept the money. And I imagine there was there was a rather choice conversation had with with Carlos Corbran where where he didn't want that to be the case, and that's and and fair play to the club. They listened to the most important man at the football club, and they showed value in him by giving him what he wants. I think they did absolutely the right thing, but I I don't believe for one second that there was never anything in there was it, that. Palmer was never close to going because, and and I'm not I'm not buying this stuff from the the, the Alan Nixon's put out as well about the, uh, about it being a breakdown in the in in the clause just because they they wanted um they wanted a flex down in his wages um if they got relegated because that is in 
practically every player's contract in the bottom half of the Premier League. So I can't imagine Alex Palmer kicking off about that because that is one of the most standard clauses in in bottom half Premier League contracts. Almost every player has two numbers for their wages in their contract. So, but it, but it seems like Corbran is saying, right, I appreciate you've got to make some money this summer, but these are the players I'm prepared to lose. And these are the players I'm not prepared to lose. And and the next one, which we will come on to, which is Taylor Gardner Hickman, seems to be another one that he's he's prepared to to lose. But he seems to have also said to them, there are a list of players that I do not want you to sell and please do not sell them from under me. And hopefully the what has happened around Palmer suggests that the club will listen to him and they will try and make money where with with players that um that Corbrand sees as dispensable um which if that's how this squad churn is going to happen Pete I'm all for it I I appreciate the fact that we've got to sell players this summer but what I don't want is for is for Corbrand to have players that he really really sees value in and have them sold from under him I I like Grady Dean Garner I like Taylor Gardner Hickman but if Corbrand's opinion is that he can do without those players and that and we can make money on them, then I suppose that's how it has to be, isn't it? Yeah, and it feels like he's really calling the shots now. Obviously, we've talked about the benefits of having sporting director or technical director, um, director of football, whatever you want to call the role that kind of um, dictates the transfers and who comes in and who goes out. But at the minute, it seems like Corbrand's getting his way. Um, he's choosing the players that he wants to get rid of and the club are doing their best to to drum up the interest and, and get them out the door. Um, obviously, we've seen Grant go already. Uh, there seems to be a lot of interest in Grady. Taylor Gardner-Hitman, he, he didn't seem to have much time for um, last season and, and we're obviously hearing reports of bids coming in for him um, and David Button as well. So, yeah, it feels like Corran's getting his way and I mean, you hope it might actually entice Corbran to stay a little bit longer if he does get any interest from other clubs because obviously not every club is going to give you that kind of power that you can actually dictate who you exactly you have in the squad. Um, some some clubs might want to keep youth prospects that have come through the academy like Taylor Garden Mahitman around for a bit longer. So having that, that bit more power than you might at other clubs might hopefully keep him around for a bit longer. Um, if it doesn't, then might be in a bit of trouble because we've got a squad that is purely built for Carlos Corbran. So um, I suppose that's the, the risk that you take with it. What do you make of the Taylor Gardner-Hickman thing? Now, the, uh, just just to to make people aware of uh, of where where I believe the situation is, um, I know some on 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 Twitter have, have have said it's a done deal. I don't I I don't understand that to be the case. I, that you know you know by the way, as soon as I package package this up, put it out, and within about an hour, we're going to sell Taylor Gardner Hickman just to make me look completely stupid. But as I understand it, I don't think the deal is done. I don't think um, I I don't think it's cut and dried. How Taylor Gardner Hickman is going to go uh, go out either, whether it's going to be permanently or whether it's going to be uh, whether it's whether it's going to be a loan. I think Taylor Gardner Hickman going out 
on on loan. I think the the area in his wages are in it would probably save us somewhere in the in the ballpark of half a million a year. So loaning him out, there is value there for the for the club, especially if it's a player that that Corbran is not going to not not going to use. I have to say, I personally, because we've said all along that. We, I mean, we did our predictions the other the other day, Pete, and, and neither of us uh, believe that Corbran will be here long term because just because the club's situation and and he's he's a good manager and we think somebody at some point will take him take him off our hands and he'll walk away for a better situation and who could blame him uh, for that very reason? I would probably, in an ideal world, rather see Taylor go on loan than permanently, just because. If he comes back to the club and there's a different manager there, there may well be a really, really big role for him to to fulfil at our at our football club, and I think that would be ideal for everybody because I think Taylor would love to be able to really, really make his mark at West Bromwich Albion as opposed to probably anywhere else. Well, within reason, you know, obviously Manchester City, etc. But I think I think if you if you gave him the, the pick of can you you can either make a splash at West Brom or you can make a splash at a another similarly sized championship club i think he'd always rather do it here because we we we're, we're the club where he came through and i think that's possible if he went out on loan for a year and came back and potentially there was another manager in charge so i think that would be my ideal situation that it's a loan rather than a sale but again i appreciate the fact that if if somebody does come knocking on the door with probably wouldn't take all that much money if truth be told i think i think if somebody came with with a with a couple of 3 million quid i think he'd probably go um but in an ideal world i think i'd rather it was alone what about you yeah i think i agree with you he's obviously got a lot of ability but he seems to lack it just looks like experience to be honest some of his passes and decisions when he's got the ball just seem a little bit maybe naive at times obviously we saw the one at sheffield united um, towards the end of last season that led to them scoring. But in other situations as well, he maybe just doesn't have the experience and and know when to keep the ball and, and what's going on kind of around him. Um, I don't know if maybe that's because he hasn't come through the academy as a central midfielder. Um, obviously, there's a lot more going on around you when you're in the middle of the park than when you're out wide. It feels like something that might be able to be developed if he kind of was playing football regularly at uh, a good level um, and with Albion he's not been over the past couple of years he's maybe had a couple of runner games in the team but then never really more than you know five games in a row and then back out onto the bench and if he did have kind of a full season playing regularly and starting games then you'd expect him to, to develop a fair bit and maybe then might be the kind of player that we could then use so yeah, in my in my opinion, alone would be would be good. But obviously, if if the cash is there, then having bringing in a couple of players that we can use this season and, and give us the best shot at, at promotion and probably the best shot we'll have in the next five to ten years if we don't don't go up this season, then you've probably got to take that gamble, haven't you? Absolutely, it's it's a difficult one because it's very much. It, it's heart versus head, isn't it, with Taylor Gardner Hickman? Because I think I think most Albion fans have a lot of love for him. Uh, you know, he he's 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 won through the youth system that that we all that we all love. 
but you know, I I I saw I I saw somebody on 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 social media earlier say something along the lines of, "Look, if Taylor Gardner Hickman wasn't a youth product, would you would you be this upset? Would you be this desperate to keep him?" And and I thought that was a very very good bit of perspective to step back and look at it. And and I have to say, when I was put it in those terms, I thought, well, I probably would in an ideal world want a loan because he's still 21. But would I be as upset if he wasn't somebody through the youth system? No, no. So I think... I, I can understand. I, I could, if the club choose to sell him, I can I can make my peace with it, and I understand it as long as we get a reasonable fee and we, and we don't let him go on the cheap. And then, lastly, just to finish off, uh, Pete, the the other one potentially out the door, as you touched on before, is is David Button. Now, the rumours are that this is somewhat done. The only thing holding this up is that he's supposed to be going to Reading, who have as reports state, made uh, a late uh, HMRC payment and got slapped with a, um, a a transfer embargo. Now, there's also word that they haven't even been able to register the players that they have already brought in this summer, so they certainly can't register any new ones at this time, which is obviously holding up any deal for Button. Now, they seem... The, the 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 room the murmurs coming out seem that they they're fairly confident of getting this situation resolved before the weekend, which they need to because from what I understand they're pretty short on players to even play on the opening day, so the button one hangs in the balance a little bit, but you would hope it would get done a deal done over the line, and it's hard to know the terms of this this deal without a shadow of doubt it will be a free transfer because there's no way anybody I mean Reading haven't I don't think have got any money to give us a fee anyway but nobody's going to pay a fee for David Button but if we are able to free ourselves of his contract completely without having to subsidize it in any way and again I don't know whether or not that's the case it's just a good bit of business to get him off the books isn't it Pete because he's just been an unmitigated disaster yeah, I don't think anybody's going to um, complain if we can move him out on a free. Obviously, last season it was very poor, and um, it's obviously best for Albion and you imagine best for David Burton as well if he can move on and have a fresh start because that is by far the worst season that he's ever had. And I think if he's playing in front of the same crowd, then he's still going to have those maybe nerves there, and it's just not going to help his performance if he does ever get the chance. I. I don't believe that what we saw last season is kind of the actual standard of David Button. I think he's probably better than that, but it just seemed to be like this cycle that he had these terrible performances, lost confidence, and then they got worse, and and that repeated. So, um, yeah, I think I definitely think he needs himself a, a new club and a new start. Yeah, absolutely. I, it, it's it's difficult, isn't it? Because as as you say, he hasn't been as bad as that over the course of his career by any stretch of the imagination. But the reality is. There's very few Albion fans who we, who would be able to sit comfortably and watch him keep goal for us during during a mat, uh, an important match for uh, for West Bromwich Albion. You you would just be I know I would be extremely nervous, and those who have the misfortune of sitting around me in the Birmingham Road end would uh, would, would would tell you that, uh, that uh, it doesn't take an, uh, a lot of. Uh, 
nerves or trepidation for me to for me to start getting loud vocal and uh, and 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 quite uh, quite nervy um so the the less david button plays is not only good for west bromwich albion it's very good for the people who sit around me in the birmingham road end because they don't they don't need that they don't need that they, they they've, they've got to sit with me for a whole season they've got enough problems anyway that is it for today as i say it's an impromptu pod it's uh it, it's a bit of a whistle stop tour through albion's transfer business or the transfer rumors swirling around west bromwich albion we will be back as soon as there's something a little bit more concrete but at the moment i think it's fair to say after what was quite a negative pod at the weekend where we were really quite concerned about what was going on with Alex Palmer, the situation with the manager and whether players were getting sold from under the manager and whether or not he was going to be happy enough to even take charge of the club. I think it's really quite impressive actually how in the space of only a few short days, Albion seem to have righted things a little bit. And whilst this is West Bromwich Albion and it can all go very wrong very quickly, I think it's fair to say Pete and I are feeling a lot better about life as a West Bromwich Albion fan at this moment in time. I hope you are too, and long may it continue. Until next time, thanks for listening, and up the bags. Albion have certainly been sharing the goals around this season. They're well into double figures now for different championship goal scorers. So why not take a leaf out of their book and do some sharing of your own with a McNugget share box? Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.